Welcome to The Climb, the podcast where we conquer our inner mountains. I'm Natasha Wallstra, your host and guide on this transformative journey. This show is brought to you by the Inner Mountain Foundation, inspired by the work of Diane Wong, empowering women everywhere to stand up, speak out, and make a difference. Every episode, we explore a theme related to personal growth and empowerment, drawing on the experiences and insights of extraordinary women. This isn't just a listening experience. It's a call to action, an invitation to grow, and a journey of discovery. So are you ready to embark on today's climb? Let's begin. Stephanie, thank you so much for being with us today. I am so excited to speak with you about various things, and I have a feeling we're going to be walking away with a lot of tips and tricks from this episode. But first, I would love to hear your backstory. Who is Stephanie Toma? Oh my gosh, what a question, right? I could take that in so many different ways, but I'll take it in a way that I think would make sense for people in this episode, which is a big part of my backstory is growing up feeling disconnected and just kind of like, you know, wallflower, really shy, not really wanting to put myself out there because I just assumed people probably won't receive me well if I do that, right? And it kind of manifested in me having a very small social circle, sometimes non-existent at times growing up. And then there was this sort of pivotal moment where I questioned, what if like respective of everything, let's say that everything stayed the same, but I just decided (laughs) that, huh, that I could walk into a room and it would go really well. So, you know, that kind of started in college and I started to see that people were mirroring back to me a different experience and particularly hosting events was something where I felt like I had a a purpose and people also had a very clear reason to speak to me versus being an attendee at an event. And, you know, to then fast forward, I ended up hosting Uh, attending high volume of events and sort of learning the ropes and not even really planning on becoming a community builder myself. But beginning, I began to host a very high volume of events, um, you know, 2015 to 2020. And all, all the things that I learned of how to go up to people and have them more likely to welcome you into a conversation and how to, um, just best connect with others and feel like the most confident version of yourself are things that I really honed during that time. And I put all that into my book, Confident Introvert, toured around a workshop called Networking for Introverts for a time as well that every now and then I pop back out. So yeah, you know, really I'm excited for our conversation because it centers a lot around energy management and personality and and things like that. Very cool. And I feel like there's quite a few things we need to unpack there though, because you said that you had this like, what if moment, if I started to you know, present myself in a different way in college, what was that moment? What happened if specifically, or was it an event or just a conversation you were having with yourself? Like, what was that moment? There were a few. So I think that this can be relevant to anyone who has ever moved to a new place. Maybe you've recently moved to a new place. And so it started with, okay, I want to be that person that is new in my community 
and bakes cookies and brings them to people and knocks on the door <laughs> and says, hi, I'm Stephanie. Nice to meet you. Like, like here's a gift engages in a little bit of, you know, Hey, like I moved here from, from this city and, you know, just kind of getting to know people where, especially in major cities like New York, San Francisco, maybe people, do, people don't always do that. But for example, this was a little bit before that time when I lived in each of those places. Um, and yeah, it started with sort of reverse engineering how do I want to be in the world? How do I want to feel? And checking in with myself, like, okay, does it feel kind of scary to literally knock on a stranger's door? It's like, okay, yes. But also they live right above me. I, I think from a practical standpoint, it would be good to like know who they are. <laughs> uh, nowadays we have Nextdoor, you know, that, that app, that website, but there's nothing like actually having a direct line of communication with the people that let's say they're in the apartment or the house next to you, for example. And you know, another big sort of moment was a job. It was, they called it coffee house manager when I was in school. And essentially it used to be this sort of this community meetup uh, that was sponsored by the school where there would typically just be coffee. And then every now and then there was some sort of craft or something, but me being the target consumer of that type of event, I'm like, okay, college kids, we want food. I, I'm going to plan <laughs> events and actually, like, let's go to Costco and get a bunch of pasta. You know, let's kind of get <laughs> a little bit scrappy here with the budget that we have. And it ended up becoming a really big hit and being something that I realized, oh, I have a knack for logistics. That's cool. And people are reflecting back to me that I'm a really welcoming presence which that's also cool. So sometimes, you know, if we don't always feel welcome in a space, let's kind of reverse it. How can we be welcoming? How can we embody the thing that we would like to receive? Ooh, I really like that. Yeah. Cause sometimes when you walk, go to an event yourself, especially as an introvert too, it, it can be awkward. You don't really know what to do. You're not sure who to talk to, where to stand, what to do with your hands. Right. <laughs> but, but if you do it the reverse and figure out, okay, well, this is what I would want if I was hosting it. And so that's a really unique way of approaching those types of challenges. That's really cool. Thank you. But I guess, you know, as it still seems like, like I'm, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes in that situation of like being, you said you, you've hosted thousands of events at this point, right? Or, or networked or been to, you've gone to quite a bit. How do you manage, like, that seems like a lot of energy too. Like, how do you handle that type of recharging and energy with it? Yes. So, okay. Now, in case this is even more relatable to people also, just kind of like moving forward, let's say that you're no longer in this community of everyone's around your same age in a very close proximity. Um, you kind of need to get out of your neighborhood and go to an event. And I know that I love personal and professional growth. So I started to attend events. So the Commonwealth Club had really great speakers. I, I believe they still have events every now and then. Um, TEDx, you know, wherever your, your local TEDx is, I got involved with TEDx in 2013 um, and was involved with them for until I want to say 2019, actually. And, um, and yeah, just started to plug myself into attending various things and then asking, how can I get involved? How can I help? And learning the ropes. And then there was actually this moment. Initially, when I looked back, I was like, why did I host a thousand events? <laughs> like, why did that happen? I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. But then it was actually, I found the moment and I'm excited to share it because 
um, at one of my, I used to have a meetup called Potluck Connect. It was a monthly meetup um, every month for five years. That's like 60 different potlucks um, in my backyard that was pretty big. So we had a good amount of people that got to show up. And I remember this one woman uh, who attended, she said that she was written up in this publication because she had reviewed 1,000 apps. And then I said to her, like, oh, like a thousand app, that's that's a lot. She's like, it's not as hard as you think. You just kind of get on a roll. And then before you know it, you're at a thousand. So I was not consciously pursuing hosting a thousand events. However, when I look back and realize that I did, I could kind of tie it in with a similar timeline of her saying that. So the subconscious wow. mind, you know, another fun fact is I do subconscious reprogramming work. I'm certified in, in that modality. So it's been kind of fun to look back and see, oh, like what are certain ideas that, you know, there are certainly serendipities that can happen, but also sometimes we're inspired by things that we don't really realize inspired us until after the fact. Well, that is, I, I still am trying to grasp my head around a thousand, but maybe it isn't actually that difficult. I think about all the calls that I have and I'm sure in the last year, two years, I've probably done more than that. Right. It's, I can even break it down. So, you yeah. know, in, in that number, if you're hosting for five years, um, you know, in between three of, and five times a week, more likely four times. Um, and that can be a, a, it could be a brunch meetup. It could be a networking event. It could be a women's circle. It could be a happy hour. It could be, uh, an event with four of your close friends. It could be an event you know, at a venue with hundreds of people. So, you know, I think that when we think of events, sometimes we think of macro events and we think of mm -hmm. the ticketed things, black tie, or, you know, with a bunch of strangers when really there can be micro events with new people, but also reestablishing connection with people that you already know. Yeah. That makes, well, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So you, you kind of like think, Truly. Yeah. I was thinking like conferences, events and that sort of thing, but there are so many different ways to connect with people that are just, that are still events. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, sticking on this though, I just like, and actually going to the, the back macro events and looking at actual conferences and, um, and, uh, bigger events, what, what is the like best practices for introverts specifically, but in general, like how do you help make sure that you don't overwhelm yourself at these events, especially since a lot of us maybe haven't been going to these macro events since maybe COVID, let's say, do you have yeah, like so, networking for introverts 101? <laughs> yeah. So one of my favorite tactics to share is called a solitude sandwich. And instead of describing what it is, I actually want to share a short story of a time when I was giving a workshop. I was giving the networking for introverts workshop. So I kind of like, I added this in later because I was like, oh, that's good. Like this <laughs> idea that's, that was brought up by an attendee. So they, I, I always have Q&A after, you know, my presentations or I typically do. And this person asked, why are you giving a presentation on introversion when you are so obviously extroverted? And you know, that's a question, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so at first I kind of like, I took a little pause <laughs> just to di digest the question. And then I answered the question with another question. And I, so I asked, so what do you think I was doing before this talk? And he said, well, you know, maybe you were at another event. And I said, well, you know, actually I was reading the lobby for about an hour. And then I asked, well, what do you think I'm going to be doing after this event? And he said, well, maybe there's an after party, uh, a dinner. And I was like, 
Not that I'm aware of. Like I'm actually just going to go home and and do something called daily three two one that I'll talk about later. And so that illustrates a solitude sandwich. And it also illustrates a point that I like to bring up where sometimes when we are showing up as the most confident version of versions of ourselves, people can conflate that with extroversion when mm-hmm. that's not the case. It, it's simply being a confident introvert. <laughs> that's like literally the name of the game, the name of the book where you simply are managing your energy by being in solitude before and after a major mm. event. So if it's a conference and you know, the ratios may vary, you may find, but I do think it, it is crucial to have that decompression period after and sort of the energy management portion before. So maybe what that looks like for you, if it's a three-day conference, goodness, you might want to go ahead and just the day before not have calls scheduled. If you're able to uh, just have, have some alone time, there was this meme that I liked from, you know, during current major world events where um, there was this person that was like illuminated, they were glowing and it said introverts overcharged (laughs) where like salt (laughs) and charging to an extent. (laughs) So Hmm. the idea here is to give yourself the optimal amount of energy where you're actually, we're all social beings. There, right. there comes a point where every introvert is like, okay, I'm done. I want to talk with the person, right? So <laughs> the idea is to, you know, play around with maybe before an event that's two hours, maybe you want to spend one hour before, one hour after. Maybe you need three hours before, three hours after to really be able to show up in a way where you are appreciating the experience. Because if we think about how we want to be received by other people, uh, the feeling that we want to leave people with, and how we want to experience the event, maybe you know, we can, we can do a high volume. I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting that people listening to this, just go ahead and host a thousand events. It'll be great. <laughs> I mean, I would say I did the extreme thing to be able to relay lessons. So I hope that people can kind of do, learn some of these things without going through the high volume and time commitment of that. Right. But yeah, it's, it really comes down to showing up fully and, Lisa Nichols has this great quote around not necessarily being of service from your cup, but from your saucer. So, you know, people say, oh, you know, like the metaphor of having a cup of energy where, Mm -hmm. okay, like I'm going to have, let's do 50, 50. I'll, I'll pour people little sips from my cup and then, okay, I get the rest where it's like, no, like from an energy standpoint, you get to go ahead and fill yourself up, fill up your social battery. Uh, one person attended one of my events and they had a great shirt. It was literally, um, a physical battery. And I like to think of it this way too, right? Where it sometimes it's like a rechargeable battery. Like, I don't know about you, but I have rechargeable batteries at home (laughs) and I love just being like, okay, great. They did their job. Thank you. And now they're not going to be doing the traditional thing, plugging them into the wall. And then, oh, they're renewed. I get to use them all over again. Great. So our energy can be a little bit like that where I mean, we're not machines, right? There are certain experiences and certain people that can be more or less draining. But when I think of an event, I also think of it um, in the same way as, you know, you'll want to have a solitude sandwich before an event, certainly before giving a presentation, public speaking, all of these things that require um, or would greatly be of benefit to you to like show up in a way that's very present and upbeat 
and having a sense of vitality, uh, then yeah, you want to go ahead and make sure that maybe you're having, it could be Texas toast style pieces of bread. And then who knows, like a blob of peanut butter in the middle as your activity, or it could be like (laughs) tortillas, you know, where it's like, oh, just like, you don't have that much time, but you're going to make it count and be fully present in that meditation or whatever it is. So I have a question then. Do you think like this almost goes back to, goes to misconceptions of introvert. And I'd love to dive into that a little bit further as well, but thinking about like that sandwich, then if you were to do a speaking engagement and you know give a presentation, let's say that was an hour, that actually might be less energy draining than if you had to go to a networking event for four hours and talk to like 30 people, right? Like that actually might be more challenging for an introvert than someone who's actually speaking for an hour and then done. Mm, yeah. So I, I do think it varies. However, here's the case for being a public speaker <laughs> and being an event host as an introvert. You don't yeah. need to exert the energy to come up to people. Typically, right. people are coming up to you. And that isn't to say that you just get to sit back and you're like, okay, everyone come to me. I mean, you're still going to be able to be friendly and say hi to people, but it's more likely that people know who you are. So you don't need to exert the energy in every conversation, you know, because you've probably been on stage and you said your name, you said your bio. So you get to be in a state of being more receptive and listening to people and, you know, people coming to you and all of those things really can take less energy. Um, And yeah, it's the difference between one to many communication and then a lot of one-off conversations and sort of Especially a lot of introverts that I have worked with tend to be highly empathetic and maybe, you know, talking about energy management, right? Sensitive to how other people are showing up. If someone else is super anxious and then they almost are like, oh, shoot, like they're kind of taking some of that on because they're they're in the vicinity of this person. And then you have someone else who's just like, I don't know, they're super excited about something. You're just like, oh, shoot. Hey, cool. You know, and it can kind of be, it can be a lot. So there is almost there can be this almost protective barrier that you can visualize. I mean, certainly if you're attending an event or if you're speaking or hosting, right? Because there is, it's not necessarily like all of a sudden you can just start hosting events. I mean, you can go ahead and create a meetup page if you want and say, okay, I'm going to start hosting. But I would say that it's going to be more seamless where people are actually going to be more likely to come to your events and things if you plug into and contribute to existing communities. And I'm a big advocate of collaborations as well for energy energy management. So when I was doing the higher volume of events, and I I do still host events, but now instead of like, you know, what is it? Dozens or at least a dozen in a month, it's going to be more likely, you know, one a week or even less, maybe a couple a month. And and some people would even say, wow, that's a hundred a year. But for me, that's like, that's not a lot to me anymore. Um, but yeah. So, so does that make sense where sometimes you're able to, like I had a co-host, for example, with my, uh, with my potluck connect events and this, uh, the person was my neighbor. He was super energetic. He was always very eager to, you know, set up tables and do all these things and be helpful. I was like, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I think that actually helped with my energy reserves of being able to be present at the event, having that sense of support, both with physical labor, but also the emotional support of like, oh, that's so kind. And being able to kind of go through the experience with that. 
Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I do want to continue on actually too with some misconceptions, but did you want to dive into what the daily three, two, one exercises? Yeah. Th- thanks for circling back with that. So the daily three, two, one is another way to sort of manage your energy and to break it down. You can do this first thing in the morning, last thing at night, but it's a tech-free hour where it's 30 minutes of reading, 20 minutes of, it could be journaling, writing, Um, narrative therapy is another thing that I like to call it. Just kind of any thoughts that you have that are circling sometimes, not always, but sometimes introversion can be correlated with social anxiety. So if that is the case for you, you probably have these thoughts that are in your head. And then you're like, why would I write those thoughts? Because I'm so done with them. They just need to leave. Mm. And really they just want to be acknowledged. So it's counterintuitive, but go ahead and write them all down, go into as much detail as you can, and maybe don't write it down all day, every day, but do it once and make a conscious choice that, okay, now there's greater clarity in the situation. Um, and then you move on to the last 10 minute segment, which is the one in the, in the three, two, one, and that's meditation. So that can be movement meditation that can be uh, still. So I personally like to meditate by lighting a candle and just sitting in silence, setting a timer. But some people would find that intimidating and they want to maybe go on a walk instead and maybe not with your yeah. eyes closed, you're walking. So maybe just eyes down past. <laughs> I know it's like, I have to say that. Um, and maybe you're just kind of observing, oh, look at the leaves on the ground. Okay. And like observing your breath is a great one. Observing the scenery, just being very present. And there's something about being very present. Certainly there are situations in our lives where in the moment, it's like, oh, this is not great. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to be present right now because this is not great. But then there's so many more moments where it actually is super great or baseline, fine, calm, <laughs> where if we just yeah. tap into where we currently are, you know, so much of social anxiety comes from anticipating future events and, you know, <laughs> rehearsing worst case scenarios <laughs> or recalling past things that you can't change that you wish you could. So getting to a place of presence, I have found, and even being present with the things you don't like, being present certainly with the great moments, but it it really, I think that it enables you to not ruminate on it. If you're so present with it in the moment where you get to process the emotion. Oh, this all sounds so familiar. I mean, I used to think like the amount of energy I wasted thinking about worst case scenario of a situation when it would take so many things for that to actually happen. And it's like, you just pull back and start thinking, okay, take some deep breaths. Let's think about like what actually is happening right now in this moment and not future trip on what could potentially happen in a hypothetical world. Right. (laughs) Well, yeah. And you know, to that vein, I like to advocate for what's called an upward spiral and it's kind of, it's giving yourself permission to get a little bit delusional in a good way. So, you know, we've all heard. I was going to say, this sounds good. It sounds positive. Yeah. Right. Right. Because, you know, I feel like being an idealist, I identify as an idealist. Disney was onto something and, you know, (laughs) you can dream it, you can be it. It's, there's a certain satisfaction that one can get from having audacious goals or maybe other people are like, oh, I don't know if, if you could do that. I don't know if a person in general could really do that. (laughs) when, and it's not for me, I'm typically not motivated by like, I'm going to prove that person wrong. I'm just kind of like, Oh, like what they said just isn't relevant to me, (laughs) you know, because it's like when you just, when you have a curiosity and a drive and you're open to going about achieving a goal in different ways, or in my case, like with hosting the high volume of events, being intuitively led when you don't even know where it's leading, 
but you just know, okay, I need to do this. Don't know why, but please make it clear soon. <laughs> like it would be nice to know <laughs> the why. <laughs> uh, but then over time, you know, sometimes we connect the dots looking backwards and it all makes sense. So, you know, especially I know a lot of introverts can be really in the head. I know, hey, I've totally been yeah. there. I still am there at yep. times, <laughs> you know, hanging out in my head. Um, yep. But, you know, when that that's one of the reasons why in the daily 321, um, you know, there's that reading piece, there's that writing piece, there's that meditation piece that can be movement. You know, there's something to be said for just allowing yourself to absorb information and allowing yourself to get anything that's circulating maybe too much kind of out there and then to integrate and to really root back into yourself. And sometimes when there is even a sense of dis-ease, you know, where you're like, oh, I'm not feeling totally great. There's some antsy energy. Maybe you don't even have a story or words attached to it. It's just this feeling. So I wonder if anyone listening has ever felt that. I know I have. And usually that's just an invitation to, it's not an invitation to be like, well, why do I feel this way? Like what happened? You know, let's map it out. Let's reverse engineer. <laughs> you, could, you could do that. But sometimes it's an invitation to, you know, I've been working with clients more on somatic work where mm. literally shaking, moving around. I am such an advocate of ecstatic dance to really oh, move wow. through things. I mean, that's one of the first things that I recommend to clients that have social anxiety, that to go ahead and find your local ecstatic dance where you can dance like no one's watching because ideally no one really should be watching. It's not like you're at a nightclub. <laughs> it's not about impressing people. You know, people are crawling around, people are jumping, people are just moving in, in any way they feel like to maybe some sort of a beat. And, you know, you can go out and do this in public, which I think builds confidence, right? Or do it at home yeah. without anyone around. And we just need to normalize movement in a world mm -hmm. that has us seated so much of the time. No, and I can imagine too, like doing these, any sort of these types of movements can just accelerate that recharge as well and prepare you for the next event or next speaking engagement, whatever that is, right? <laughs> totally. And it also, if there are jitters, uh, you know, be mindful though. I don't recommend like go on a run right before your presentation. I mean, you're going to be out of breath and sweaty. And I feel yeah. like- I've been there in my earlier days where I think I literally before an interview that was, was it virtual? I think it was virtual. And I went on a run. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to rush to shower. And my face is, face is all flushed. And I'm like, yeah. do, I feel, <laughs> do I feel a sense of vitality? Am I showing up like my best self? And it's like, there needed to be more space. <laughs> there needed to be more time management in that. <laughs> well, actually that reminds me of this morning. Even I went for like, it was so cold. And so I went for like a, a really fast walk with my dog right before a call. And so I get here, sit down and then I start sweating more because I got nervous that I was so red. <laughs> and it's so silly. So I once saw on LinkedIn a post and it like infuriated me. And I want to sort of settle this debate a little bit or get your, your input on this. But I saw this guy who said something around, you know, we need to stop normalizing shy and awkward introverts in the workplace and that they need to do this, that, and that. And I was like, first off, like not all introverts are shy. There's mm -hmm. a lot of them are yes, but that doesn't mean one equals the other. And we're not awkward or, you know, have social anxieties always, right? There's, it's a, it's a more matter of, of how you recharge. What is your like definition of introvert and what, how do you feel about those types of comments? Cause I'm sure you've heard them as well. 
Yeah. So my definition of an introvert is someone who gets their energy from solitude. Okay. And Mm -hmm. an extrovert is someone who typically gets their energy from socializing. However, there are so many nuances. And something that I like to dispel is, you know, whether someone identifies as an introvert or an extrovert, 95% of us are actually ambiverts. We're somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. There are certain situations that impact us differently than others. You know, just like there are certain personality types or certain events even that one person would find super engaging, another person would find depleting. So when we identify with the term introvert or extrovert, we're simply saying, well, most of the time in most situations, I tend to you know, be maybe depleted by a lot of social situations. And what can be interesting is when you switch up your environment or switch up your social circle and start to set some healthy boundaries, then there is potential that it's not like you turn into an extrovert. I feel like that's kind of odd. I mean, but it's not about turning into one, like an anamorph, like you were a human and now you're a squirrel, you know, it's, it's more about, we as humans, our personality is more or less a construct, but it's actually rooted in simply how reactive we are to external stimuli, how much external mm. stimuli we need to feel alive and alert. And, uh, and you know, I've, I've even met people at my workshops that will come up to me after and say that they are an extrovert but they have social anxiety and that it's really been painful for them to not know how to connect with people properly because they want to so badly. They have the energy for it, but they just kind of fall flat on their face a lot and maybe say the wrong thing. And then people just kind of walk away from them. And do you know that social rejection piece? So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, um, but circling back to, let's say that post that you saw that people, we need to stop normalizing people who are more introverted. (laughs) I mean, I think there's, there's space for everyone. Right. And it's about respecting how everyone shows up. There's no need to say introverts are better. That that's an overcorrection. It's kind of like, and I'm going to like make a, it's kind of like with feminism, I identify as a feminist by the way, but you know, if, if we're going around saying women are actually so much better than men in so many ways, like, let me prove it to you. It's like, you're kind of missing the point there too. Like, can we all just acknowledge that everyone has their strengths and in certain contexts, those strengths are more or less relevant. So in in the case of an introvert, if let's say someone is going to be a researcher on a given topic, maybe you want an introvert to do that job because they're, they're probably going to enjoy, uh, you know, introverts, it is correlated with introversion, uh, to, be a specialist and really like to go deep into fewer things. Again, not across the board. Everyone is unique. There could be an introvert out there. It's like, wait, I'm a, I'm a Jill of all trades. And it's like, that's fine. That's possible. (laughs) But it's one of those things where maybe, but then here's another thing. A lot of performers and public speakers are also introverts. People don't always know this. So especially the creatives think about the most famous singer songwriters. (laughs) like in the world, they're introverted because they're spending that time. And then when they're on stage, they're enlivened because they're like, oh my gosh, this is my work that I created. And I'm in my element. People are celebrating this. You know, it's kind of like how I felt when I created the networking for introverts, um, talk seminar. It was one of those experiences where, you know, before that I had been 
really focused on showcasing other people's stories, uh, doing radio news journalism, doing events where I was interviewing various thought leaders and realizing, you know, that it wasn't about me and like, oh, everyone, hey, look at me. It was more so about this content helps people. Like I had gotten yeah. enough feedback, you know, when I very first presented it, I was like, I don't know, I'm going to wing it. Like this is stuff that helped me. But then it resonated with people the first time I gave it. And I was like, oh, that's special. That's the universe giving me a nudge, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I had failed yeah. so many things before. And I was like, really? Like this thing that I created, instead, it is, instead of trying to continue to put myself into these boxes that other people made, like I just created this. And instead of failing at it, people are liking this. Hold on. <laughs> so it had me kind of stop in my tracks. And and yeah, like it, it's it's this thing, right? Where when it comes to confidence, it's really important to have that internalized within yourself. Right. And I do think that a sense of solitude is healthy for everyone, no matter how you identify on the personality scale, because that allows you to know yourself. And then when you face adversity, or let's say someone misunderstanding you, then you're able to be more resilient. Uh, however, we are social animals. So if we're getting positive reinforcement socially, then we may be more likely to continue to do that. Or it could give us a push in that direction to, okay, like this feels good. It's a, it's not even just a sense of, um, you know, Brene Brown talks about fitting in versus belonging. And fitting in is kind of like, and let's, to be honest, I was never really that great and I never really tried to fit in. It was more so just like when I was in certain corporate environments or when I was in certain, I don't know, just, just certain environments where I just like didn't fit in. And I wasn't really trying that hard. I was like, hey, like here are my skills, you know? Um, <laughs> so you know how that can result. Sometimes they're like, here's the door. You're like, oh, okay. So, you know, <laughs> um, so, and then it feels really bad until you're like, oh, okay, great. Like I can just create the space. And then, you know, and I do think the world of work is shifting where there are more and more entrepreneurs, conscious leaders that unlike the person in that frame of mind that posted that post that you mentioned, more and more people are celebrating the differences of how people show up. It's, it's no longer one size fits all. There are even certain learning and academic institutions that understand, oh, some people are visual learners. Some people right. are um, auditory learners. Other people um, learn by doing. So there are all these nuances. And if we allow people to get to know themselves instead of trying to conform to like, well, this is easiest, you know, and this can actually be right. present. So I grew up in a relatively large family and sometimes it's like, okay, it doesn't matter what you like to eat. Here's dinner. If you want to eat, go ahead and have this. Bye. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like when that's just one example, right? Sometimes we just get so habituated to, oh, this is, this is the only thing that there is. Okay. <laughs> you know, like I guess I, I take it or leave it. And adapt and survive. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's more survival versus abundance mindset, obviously. Right. And yeah, you know, this kind of, I know I'm kind of stream of consciousness right now, but it's like being able to, I think that it can be so humbling to have ourselves in certain environments that maybe don't embrace how we naturally show up. And and it can be natural, right? That maybe we decide to hide some parts of ourselves because we're like, ooh, that feels really precious. And people either are not honoring or respecting or witnessing, acknowledging, celebrating this part of me. When, yeah. you know, it can take an element of, and it's not necessarily about 
being like, here I am, take it or leave it. I mean, you could do that, (laughs) right? Like, however, sometimes it's about being an observer. Introverts are pretty good at this, where you Mm -hmm. enter certain spaces. And, you know, I'm relatively new to Austin, Texas, for example. You know, I've been living here for about nine months so far. And there are certain spaces where I enter and it's not the energy of, oh, hey, like, let me go ahead and talk at your meetup and do this. And it's about, okay, like, I'm just going to take it all in like see who's here, get get to know the vibe, uh, realizing that maybe there are certain spaces that will welcome the type of energy, yeah. the type of person that I am, and other spaces that will not. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> like that's definitely totally. been something that I've relearned <laughs> uh, through being in a new city. Yeah. And I can imagine that definitely also like accelerates just self-awareness in general, right? And just being comfortable and confident with who you are um, and showing up that way, right? Right. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I, I really do hope that the future of work, and I'm already seeing this. I'm already seeing the trends in different clients that I work with that are that are in nine to fives, right? Where this this focus of bring your full self to work, where people are like, we want to know mm. your hobbies and your quirks, and we want to celebrate yeah. them. You know, it, I think that that's something that's becoming so much more common, and along with work life balance, and it's also really honoring, and this is kind of a tangent, but you know, it used to be really popular a few years ago to have this open office plan. And I wonder, yeah. actually, before I go into it, I'm curious, were you ever in an open office plan and how was that for you? I always was in one, but I would end up finding a meeting room that I'd hide away in for like half the day, typically. <laughs> yeah. It's yep. so distracting. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember yeah. it was so normalized and celebrated. And they're like, oh, isn't it wonderful that like at any point in time, someone could just like walk up to you and ask you a question. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like I want to focus. Like I'm the kind of person, I want complete silence and yeah. like, you know, just hours of uninterrupted like uninterrupted time. And, and yeah, I think that that's correlated with introversion where we're like, okay, like, sure, we can socialize. It's important to socialize and get to know coworkers. But yeah, working remotely, I think it's working out for a lot of us. Yeah. Although I, I kind of did the reverse at one point because after COVID and working from home primarily and like even as we were coming out of it, I almost like forgot that I needed that social interaction. And I went into like a deep not, I don't know if it was a depression, but I was really bummed out for a long time. And I realized mm-hmm. I was like, wow, like I miss people. I need that human connection. Right. And I wasn't getting it just through the screen. And so that was like, I kind of took it to the extreme and I was like, wait, I, I forgot that I actually do need that social connection. <laughs> social battery overcharged. Yeah. yeah exactly. I mean, it's one of those things. Mental health is another topic. You know, the loneliness epidemic has been brought up by a variety mm-hmm. of different thought leaders. And and again, like I, I feel like introversion sometimes can be clumped in with these things that we can perceive as na- perceive as negative. Where if someone is more, because there's a difference between loneliness and solitude. Solitude right. is when you actually oh, yeah. enjoy your alone time. It's the difference between luxuriating, like wrapping yourself in a blanket with hot cocoa on the couch, reading a book, and just like kind of lightly smiling to yourself. <laughs> versus, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Right. It's like versus like not getting out of bed for a full day and like crying yourself to sleep. Like, okay. Yeah. No, like the latter is not introversion. That's actually something to get curious about and take proactive action to um, alleviate 
you know, cause that's, yeah. we deserve to feel a sense of vitality in our lives and it can come from being alone and with people. But yeah, you know, I love that you illustrated the point again, where there is such thing as too much alone time. And then sometimes we can confuse it for mm-hmm. like, oh, now I must be depressed where, I mean, certainly there are certain chemicals, you know, that interact differently in, in different people, but oftentimes, you know, I do take a more holistic approach and I'd want to look at what, okay. Number one question, are you exercising? If someone says they're not exercising, I'm like, that's going to change your life. 30 minutes yeah. every day, first thing in the morning, exercise. You're going to feel amazing day one and you keep doing it and you don't stop. <laughs> so that that's really the basis, you know? And yeah, sometimes there could be, there can be this sort of pathologizing of normal reactions to a lack of social connection or a lack of, you know, proper self-care when really oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes if we make certain lifestyle changes where it's like, if you realize this is where you can do inventory, when was the last time I saw friends or it's like, (laughs) do I know who my friends are anymore? Especially I know during current events of the last few years, people's values were shifting left and right. There yeah. were sometimes if you weren't depressed, your friend was, and you were like, should I take this personally? There was a lot going on. So now, yeah. you know, it's like the dust is kind of settling. And I know for myself, it's been actually surprising to realize the friends that are still my friends and to realize the friends that are no longer really my friends. You know, I, I kind of thought, oh, some of these people would be reversed, but here we are. And, it, you know, it's just kind of being with what is and being open to, you know, I don't believe that it's about completely starting over. Some people find a lot of solace and, oh, like that was all of that was bad. Let's just completely start over. No, like wherever you go, there you are. It, it's about building on top of the lessons and the positive aspects that you've built over the years. And to have a delusional optimism (laughs) that it can continue (laughs) to get better and that you can always be the exception, you know, like let's, yeah. Like I work with clients who sometimes let's say are reinventing themselves after a layoff and there can be, you know, one of the most frequently asked questions that I get is, okay, can you tell me about the forecast of, you know, of hiring for the next six months? And it's like, okay, sure, we can look into this data. However, I don't want you to think that you are the statistic. If 73% of people will not get a job in the next six months, that doesn't need to be you. Let's look at you in the in the smaller percentage. Okay. And you know, I like to remind people of just looking into when you were the exception to a rule, not because you're special, but because you make a conscious choice that you being at the top of your game is not just for you. It's it's so that you have, again, more in your saucer, more that you can share with other people. Well, Stephanie, this has been so useful for me and I'm sure our audience as well. Um, what is the best way to connect with you afterwards? So the best way would be go to stephanietoma.com. That's T-H-O-M-A. And you can just peruse, look around. If you go to um, stephanietoma.com slash free gifts, I have a few different freebies, including a free chapter of Confident Introvert if you want to understand your personality better. And uh, and then, yeah, on social media, my handle is Stephanie M. Toma, pretty much everywhere. Well, thank you so much. And I, uh, I really appreciate you. Thank you, Natasha. This has been so fun. 